The Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. I can't hit that note this morning. That's very off key. But 11 o'clock service will be better. You're welcome to come back. If you know that song, you might know the Disney film Encanto. And the character Bruno, who's kind of hidden away and talked about, but not talked about. Because when Bruno speaks, it seems like bad things seem to happen. There's a storm on a wedding day. There's a guy who grows old and, shocker, grows a gut and loses his hair. Never heard of such a thing. Must be Bruno's fault. And pets dying. Well, a spoiler alert for you all. Bruno wasn't making those things happen. He just had this gift of being able to see things that would be. He didn't create them. He just saw them. And in a way, was trying to let people know, hey, look out, something's coming. It may seem, especially with our first reading today, like Jesus is laying down a punishment in our gospel reading. He's laying down this kind of judgment. Watch out. Beware. This is coming. But like Bruno, or, or maybe just like Jesus because he's an actual, real person, he's telling his, this to his disciples so they don't make the same mistakes we often do. So they know what's coming. They're prepared. But also, again, so they don't make the mistake we sometimes do. 
I don't know that this is where they would go in their day, but so often, directly and indirectly, there is this message that following Jesus will make everything okay. There's this kind of theology that goes that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Or even more directly, more pointedly, that the point of following, the point even of faith, is that we will be happy. Now, I don't doubt that Jesus would love to tell the disciples, especially after, you know, kind of predicting all of these things that are going to happen. They're going to be, you know, earthquakes and the temple's going to be destroyed and all of these things are going to happen. And kind of the expectation I have is then when he says, but for you, everything will be fine. You're going to float above it all. That's not what Jesus says, unfortunately. I'm sure he'd like to. I'm sure that he'd like to say, look, all this stuff is going to happen, but don't worry. In the midst of it all, your message will be received joyfully as people search for the hope that you provide in the midst of a chaotic world. But no, part of the coming reality also involves that persecution will be added to the stuff going on in the world. All the things I might add, of course, that we can see going on in our own world today. Wars, natural disasters, another hurricane hitting through uh, Florida and, and through those Gulf Coast states again. We see them going on again and again, every generation. Sometimes generations thinking, well, gosh, this World War I or World War II or, or whatever it might be, upheaval in this time, this must be it. God's got to say, like, that's enough, I'm coming back, right? And well, <clears throat> but the goal of faith here, in the midst of all of that, and even the persecution that the disciples will faith, the go face, the goal of faith is not to be happy, but to be grounded. Again, happiness is great. Jesus isn't against it. He isn't just a Debbie Downer here. But the grounding is to be centered in him. I don't know if we can imagine what it was like for the disciples as they're walking through the temple and noticing the jewels and the stones. It was great. It was beautiful. The, the temple for Herod, for all of his problems, Herod the Great, uh, and all of his kind of craziness, as we'll see in our, our Christmas musical. <laughs> but for all of that craziness, he did do a great job on the temple. But imagine for yourselves walking through perhaps the White House or, or Congress. Or maybe, I know there were some people here who walked through probably St. Peter's in Rome. Taking in the glory and the majesty of such a place. The immovable stones, the flying buttresses, the hallowed halls. Symbols of power and immovable strength. Maybe you even imagine... Could, could imagine such a thing standing here. Maybe you haven't been to places like that. But even standing in our own church building. Imagine standing there and then having a trusted and wise teacher there with you. Someone whose word you probably hold to more than your own. And having them tell you, all of this will be torn down. What would your response be? Wait, wait, what? What? When is this going to happen? How are we going to know it's coming? What are we looking for? Ah, you know, there'd be kind of a panic. What are we going to do? 
These are the questions that kind of get left hanging for the disciples as they ask them. Important questions that never get answered. Or is Jesus' response kind of an answer? Because Jesus warns instead, warns them against holding on to anything except their faith in God through him. Not because he has a big ego, of course, but because he's right. This and other things are going to happen. Things out of their control and things in their control as they testify to the truth. And if they're going to be shaken by the temple being torn down, if they're going to be shaken by, you know, shifts in the weather or the land or other things that happen, if they're going to be shaken by wars, then they're certainly going to be shaken to the point where this message will be snuffed out. Unless they hold fast to what Christ is giving them as a gift. Don't worry what the signs are. Don't worry when this is going to happen. Let me just tell you, it's going to. There's nothing you can do about it. But when all those things are stripped away, you will still have what matters in life. I wonder if we can imagine all of the things that give us security and comfort and a sense of worth, a sense of meaning and purpose, our family, our job, our home, our friends, perhaps some material things like a car, a favorite toy, whatever it might be. What if all of those things were suddenly gone? What if your own life was threatened and in danger? Now maybe this is kind of a harder place for us to go because I wonder if Jesus were speaking to us today, his warning would be almost the opposite of what it is to the disciples. I mean, maybe he would talk about recession and its impact or something like that. But I wonder if he might be more inclined to warn us of the trappings of comfort, of putting our faith in the things we just imagined in our own minds, the things we hold on to in our own lives that give us security oftentimes or maybe kind of an insulation from the things that are going on around the world, a sense of false security perhaps. There was a pastor, um, I was, he wasn't talking to me directly, but I was just hearing him reflect on his, on his life, and he talked about serving in, in different calls in a variety of places. And he said the most challenging mission field he ever had was, the, was this very wealthy kind of community and congregation that he served for several years. He said sometimes we're so insulated and so protected and so lulled to sleep in our false sense of security that we can't imagine needing Jesus. And so we fall into a sense of just kind of routine and kind of going through the motions. Some of the things that the prophets often spoke, about, spoke against in the scriptures. Sometimes the struggle can be more from the things that comfort us than the things that challenge us. So losing these things can seem very far removed for us. Perhaps almost as far removed as thinking about being persecuted for our faith. I mean, I'm sure there are stories, and we know there are stories even in this day, about the persecution of the church in different parts of the world. But I can't imagine preaching this sermon and being worried that there's a dark van with some secret police, you know, out in the, in the breezeway ready to kind of snatch me and take me away to be on trial. I mean, I've preached some bad sermons, but, you know. 
it seems pretty far removed from most of us. But I bet not all of us. In our staff meeting on Tuesday, we got a chance to we get a chance every week to kind of wrestle with the text in different ways. And it's one of our favorite things. I can speak for Pastor Bill in saying this, to, to wrestle with a, with a passage with with our with our colleagues in uh, ministry here. And as we were f- reflecting on this passage, uh, one of our staff members, uh, Jessica Voigt, who has an often dis- deployed spouse, was reflecting on this passage in light of this Veterans Day weekend. Now I know Pastor Bill will probably have our veterans stand to be recognized later in the service, but I'm curious in the midst of this sermon if there might be veterans who would stand now to be perhaps guides in this text. Do we have any veterans here today? Would you mind standing for a moment? And if you put up a hand, how many of you are combat veterans as well? Yeah, yeah. Thank you and Feel free to be seated. We'll definitely recognize you later. I was talking with one of our veterans who served in Vietnam, and we're going to share this story with our young people in the educational hour. But he, just briefly, he talked about being uh, on a, uh, deployed on an aircraft in Vietnam, and, and he was a gunner on that aircraft, and he was, had done many missions in a row, 15, 18, something like that missions, and he was walking to the next one, and he was tapped on the shoulder and, uh, you know, his commander said, hey, you know, that's, that's enough in a row. We got a new crew coming in, and he was brought back. And you probably know where the story is going. That plane was shot down, and everyone was killed in that mission. And there was a moment for him about of, of feeling all of the things that he, you know, being kind of stripped away, the survivor guilt that entered in, the, the kind of the sense of, of, of being ashamed or being, you know, not knowing what to do. I, I should have been the one. I should, you know, all the things that can happen. That's just one story of many that we have from our heroes, our veterans. Everything stripped away for him. And what he will say and what his wife will say and what his family will say is what, what he held on to in that moment was his faith. How was Christ going to use him now? What would be his purpose as he mourned the death of a friend and a colleague? What would be the purpose now when everything else was taken away? What would hold fast? Jesus gives us that gift. He gives his disciples that gift. He gives us that gift. He also gives us the gift of community to lean on other believers, to others who are holding fast to that rock that will not be moved. In the end of our lesson today, it says, You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Now, as United States Americans, we probably hear that very much about, that's a personal message from Jesus to me. But all of those yous are plural. All of you Y'all, all, or let's do it this way. All y'all will be hated because of my name. But not a hair of all y'all's heads will perish. By the endurance of all y'all, all y'all will gain your souls. As we look around today, we not only hold to that rock of faith, but we hold to others who are, are chained there as well, who are tethered there as well, who are held no matter what may come. Whether it's all of the comforts that we would want, 
or whether all of those things are taken away. We have community in Christ as well. These are the gifts that Christ gives us. These are the gifts that hold not only in this life and its struggles, but give us a promise into the next life as well. Christ endures now and forever. Christ holds us fast, holds us together, and holds forever. Thanks be to God for this assurance. Amen.